0: Uh, and we'll be in Second Timothy in just a moment. We're doing a series on equipped, and we're talking about spiritual warfare and being equipped for spiritual warfare. And we've been on it for quite a while, and we have just a, a couple of few weeks left. And so I do hope and pray that this series has been a help and has been a blessing to you. If if you've been at least to some of the um, some of the messages, some of the sermons, if you would say yes, it's been a help, blessing. Raise your hand. Say good hearty amen. Awesome. That's good to hear. That's great. Um, because we do need to be equipped because we are in a spiritual battle. That's what we've been uh, this spending quite a bit of time studying. And so we're going to continue on that series this morning. And so if you would, we're going to go to 2 Timothy 3. We'll have it here for you as well. Uh, 16 and 17 has been our theme verses And then we're going to kind of jump over to Ephesians in just a moment, where we have really been spending quite a bit of time. We'll continue this morning. But in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, notice uh, what Paul says to Timothy, a young, if you will, servant, soldier of Christ. He says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed, the Scripture says, and is useful to teach us what is true To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. None of us are ever wrong, though, right? We're always right. But he says it's going to point out the things that are wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and notice this next to equip his people to do every good work. And so we've been using the scriptures to equip us in particular in the area of spiritual warfare. So we'll jump over to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. Ephesians 6, it's a little bit longer passage this morning because we've covered all of this this far, but we want to get all the way down to verse number 20. So notice what he says, and this is where we'll be this morning. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put it on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against, notice it's a spiritual battle, against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to stand and resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news or from the gospel, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, holding up the shield of faith to stop the fire arrows of the devil, put on salvation as your helmet. And notice we spent time here last week. And he says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's one of our weapons. But notice this next weapon that we'll look at this morning. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your Word. I pray that you would use your word to equip us, Lord, to strengthen us, to stand firm in these evil days and in these evil times. I pray that, Lord, that you would please uh, use your Holy Spirit to point out areas in our life, Lord, that maybe we do need corrected and areas in our life that, Lord, that we need to change. In particular, as we look at this weapon, this mighty weapon that you have given us, Lord, the weapon of prayer this morning, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would truly, Lord, teach us to pray. As your disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. May that be our prayer today as well. That, Lord, we would truly be equipped in this area, in the spiritual battle, Lord, that prayer is so, such a mighty weapon that oftentimes we are neglecting and we're not using. So, Lord, bless our time this, together this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So we have studied the armor of God. That is what we use to protect us. And I don't want to spend a lot of time there. I want to just remind us that not only do we have the armor for our protection, but as Paul says here that we're in a great spiritual battle. And we're reminded of even the words of Jesus when he was here. Jesus said this. He said, uh, said, I have come that you may have the abundant life. He says, but the enemy, he is here. The thief, he comes to steal, to kill And to destroy, Peter warned us. Peter himself, as we'll look at him in a few moments, he also uh, realized that the enemy is very powerful. The enemy uh, desires, as Jesus said, to sift him as wheat. And Peter says, "This your enemy is. Is he is the devil? He is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." Understand that Satan wants to wreak havoc in our lives. We have this idea sometimes that, that, that the devil is only at work in the lives of those who do not believe in Christ. But can I tell you something? Let me remind you of something. The enemy has them where he wants them. The enemy has the world, if you will, and those who are not a follower of Christ right where he wants them. He has them blinded. In fact, the scripture says that that they're blinded and they don't even realize their condition. But when you become a follower of Jesus Christ and you are part of the family of God, understand this. You now have a target on your back and you are in a great spiritual conflict. Good versus evil. and, And Satan hates you. The Bible says that he seeks to kill, to steal and to destroy and now you have a target on your back. As a believer, we understand what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying this, that Satan is the prince and power of the air. And he is the ruler, if you will, here on earth. And yes, God is, is sovereign and God's in control. But the Bible tells us that Satan, that he he, he he goes about seeking whom he may devour. And you and I are living behind enemy lines. And that we must... Put on the full armor to stand against the evil one. But also, the Lord says here in Scripture, God says, I've given you weapons. That first weapon we spoke about last week is the Word of God. That the Word of God is God breathed. And and we see that Jesus used the Scripture. And I hope that this was a help to you last week. And I would encourage you to keep taking down Scripture, writing down Scripture, quoting Scripture, reading Scripture, memorizing Scripture. But understand this, when, when Satan is tempting you and testing you, and when you're going through battle, you need to speak the Word of God. It's the spoken Word of God. Because when you are speaking God's Word, understand the Word of, of God is God-breathed. And so when you speak the Word of God, it is not necessarily your Word, Or your breath, it is the breath of God. Do you understand that the very breath of God spoke everything into existence? The Bible says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke everything into existence except for man. And think about this, when he created man, he took man and he formed him out of the dust of the ground, the Bible says. But what did God do? He did what? He breathed into man the of life and we came alive. We became a living soul, the breath of God. Do you understand that in spiritual warfare, in spiritual battle, when the devil is tempted, when the devil is testing you and when he's throwing doubts at you and when he is telling you all kinds of lies yes we must know the truth but we must also speak the truth and when we speak the word of God we can literally tell Satan to get out of here amen in the spiritual sense this might sound really wrong but tell the devil to go to hell amen go back to where you came from Get out of here. You say, well, that's too strong. No, get out of here. Get, leave me alone. And by the way, sometimes maybe that's just what we need to say. Amen? Just get out of here. Go. You know where you belong. Go back to where you belong. But we cannot do that in our own strength and our own power and understand that Satan is powerful. And he is, he is, we are no match for his, his strength and his might. But may we understand this, that we can have the authority of the very Word of God. And that is why it's important that you are in the Word, that you, you, you're, you're here today hearing the Word, and you're being equipped. But understand this, you can't just live off what you get on Sunday. You need to be in the, work, in the Word on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and you need to be meditating upon it. And then you need to have Scripture, and you need to speak Scripture for those areas in your life where the enemy is is battling against you use cheat if you have to google it if you have to get a bible app but if maybe you're struggling with doubt then look up scriptures that will help you and look up the word doubt scriptures for doubt and then you take four or five of those scriptures and start writing them down or or at least being able to speak them and when the enemy begins to cause you to doubt you start quoting it and you say devil get out of here amen and that's just one area. If it's anger, if it's lust, fill, you know, fill in whatever area that the devil seems to be attacking you and, and understand this. Have you ever realized that, that it truly is a battle? Because as soon as you get victory in one area, have you ever noticed there's another one over here that you got to deal with? You guys know what I'm talking about? Now, I want to move on to prayer, but do you guys know what I'm talking about? All right, good, you got it. But it seems like there's always some air in our life where Satan is attacking us. And so we use the sword of the Spirit quickly this morning, prayer. In Ephesians 6, we notice here, he says, put on the armor, but he didn't stop there. Because as we read, he talked about, he says, praying always in the Spirit. He makes a number of statements. He says, praying always in the Spirit. He talks then, he says this, pray at all times on every occasion. And then he says, be persistent in your prayers. Then later Paul says in verse 20, he says, pray for me. Paul says, I beg you, pray for me that I could speak the mysteries of God and the mystery of the gospel. And then he says, pray that I may have boldness to proclaim the word of God. I would encourage you. Can I say this? Please pray for me. Pray for your pastors. Pray for Pastor Dan. Pray for Pastor Richard. Pray for Pastor Anthony. As we uh, try to teach and preach the word of God, I desperately need your prayers. My wife says, yeah, you need a lot of prayer. She says it all the time. But we need your prayers. Paul says to the church, he says, pray for me that I can have the courage and the boldness Pray for me that I would have the courage and the boldness to speak the truth and to preach the word of God. But he says this, here is your weapon. You have the weapon of the the word of God, the sword of the spirit. But he says you also have this weapon, it's prayer. Prayer is a mighty weapon. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Someone once said this, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Corey Tanboom Boom said this, is prayer your steering wheel or is it just your spare tire? For a lot of us, it's our spare tire. Come on now. We only call out to God when we're in an emergency. Mother Teresa said this, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is, the better the world will be, and the mightier the forces against evil. I think that sometimes we wonder why the world is in the condition it's in. It's because we as God's people have been failing to pray. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face... and their wicked ways, he says, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. I'll tell you, the greatest problem in America is not the politicians, although that is a big problem, let me tell you, all of them, but the biggest problem is not a politician problem, it's a prayer problem in America. We often criticize our leaders and criticize them, and by the way, they deserve most of it. Can't even get along. And it's sad. It's sad. And by the way, you and I are the ones who are suffering because of their incompetency. It's disgusting. And I need a good hearty amen this morning. It's on all sides. It's disgusting. And they can't even get along. And the fact of the matter is, it is. It's incompetency across the board. But you know what we need? We need God's people praying. That's what we need. The Bible says, Paul says, he says, listen, that, that... men and women everywhere should lift up their hands in prayer and praying. And he says, pray for those in authority over you. And so one of our commands is to pray for those in authority over us. But in spiritual conflict, prayer is a mighty weapon. And he makes a number of statements very quickly. He says, pray in the Spirit. What does this mean to pray in the Spirit? Look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 28. The scripture says this. I love this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Man, what encouraging that is. So encouraging. For example, he says, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. The idea is there's times we just don't know how to pray. Some versions will say that there's times we just don't know how to pray for a certain circumstance. How many of you have ever been there? You're just not even sure how to pray. When when you're not sure how to pray, can I give you some advice? Just pray. Just pray and be honest and open and transparent and say, God, I don't even understand. I don't even know what to pray. I don't know how to pray in this circumstance and what's going on. Because notice what happens. He says, we don't know what to pray for or how to pray for it. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers, notice this, in harmony with God's own will. And then verse 28, if we have it. And this is a verse that everyone knows, but most people don't know, that the context of this verse is about prayer. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see the context of that passage. We often say, well, all things work together for good. How many of you have at least heard that before? Where all things work together. You know, all things are for good. The context is actually in prayer. And he's saying this, is that there's times and circumstances in our lives that we don't even know what to pray or how to pray. But when you're praying, understand this, that when you go to God in prayer, the Holy Spirit, he is is helping us in our prayer. He's helping us in our weakness, and he takes what we're praying, and what he does is he takes our prayer. This is kind of crazy. You may not like this, but I'm going to just drop some teaching on you for a moment, okay? When we pray, he takes our prayer, I believe it's like this. He interprets our prayer to line up with God's will for our lives. Did you see what the scripture says? That the Holy Spirit with groanings that we can't even understand, that we can't put into words. But he says that the spirit knows the, the heart of God, the heart of and, and God knows what's best for us. Romans eight twenty eight. And so He says, the Spirit takes our prayers. And notice what it says in verse twenty seven. Let's go back that one real quick because I really want to get this. It says this. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, for us believers. Notice how He does it though, in harmony with God's own will. I'll give you an illustration. I hate my job. I hate my job. And I, I'm praying that I can get a new job. And so you start praying. Lord, I hate my job. I just hate it. And I need a new job. And I deserve a new job. And I should get a new job. And not only a new job, but I want a job with a raise and a promotion and a, and a cool office. Because I deserve it. The Holy Spirit takes your prayer and says, Lord, he needs to lose his job. <laughs> he needs to lose his job because he has some pride. And he's not appreciative and he's not grateful and he's not thankful. And so you're praying, Lord, give me the new job with the big office and the promotion and the, the company vehicle. And the Holy Spirit's taking your prayer and he's going, Lord... Father, I know what your will is for his life. And I know your purpose. And I know your plan. So he needs humbled. He needs to lose his job. Okay, we'll get him to lose his job. So he loses his job. And then you say, my prayers aren't being answered. Your prayers aren't being answered the way that you're praying them. And how you're praying them. And why you're praying them. Listen to this. James chapter 4. Richard taught this this morning. But let me read a passage in James 4. I don't have it up there, but I'll read it for you. One of the things that James says is when you ask, he's talking about prayer, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So our motives and why. And so the Holy Spirit, when we pray, oftentimes is taking what we're praying and taking it and lining it up with what is best for us and what is God's will for us. And so let's take this example of losing the job. All of a sudden, instead of getting the job, you lose the job. But what happens in your own personal life? All of a sudden, you humble yourself and you become grateful and thankful. And you say, whoa, I, I should have been thankful and appreciated for the job that I did have. Come on now. And all of a sudden, now I need God. And now I, now I'm, now. what do I do? And so now I need God. And then it's more of a spirit of humility. And, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And God, I, can I have my old job back, Lord? <laughs> and then maybe God does provide another job. But in, this, in the process of it, God has humbled us. And now we're more grateful and more appreciative. I that. That sometimes the idea is when we pray, we don't realize that the Holy Spirit is helping us in our weakness. And there is areas where we just have no clue how to pray or what to pray. What it means to pray in the Spirit is this, is to pray not my will, but God's will be done. In the Lord's prayer, in the Lord's teaching on prayer, he says, thy thy kingdom come, your will be done, Jesus said. As Jesus was in the garden praying, we'll read this prayer in a moment. But he says, not my will, but your will, Father, your will be done. The idea is this, is that when we pray, sometimes we need to change how we pray and what we are praying for and what are our motives for our prayer. He says, when you pray, pray in the Spirit. Be praying in submission to the Holy Spirit and not just desiring our own selfish desires and our own needs and our own, if you will, wants. By the way, God will provide your every need, but he's never promised that he will provide for every want. Right? So he says, Pray. Pray in the Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit is moving and at work when you pray. He says, pray at all times, on every occasion. The idea is this, pray at all times, in every circumstance. Paul says to the church of Thessalonica, as they were struggling with persecution, he says this, one of the shorter verses in the Bible, he says, never stop praying. Pray at all times, in every circumstance. Look at Jesus' disciples' disciples asked Jesus to do in Luke 11. In Luke 11, 1-4, he says this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, Jesus was a man of prayer. Always getting alone to be with the Father, and he was a man of prayer because he understood the spiritual battle and the conflict that he was in. And it says this, that when he was finished praying, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciple." Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we, say the next word, need. There you go, not our wants. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And notice what it says, and do not... Uh, let us yield to temptation, many versions in, in, and in different places, different versions say this and, and lead us not into temptation, but what but deliver us from evil. Do you see that even in the, the first teachings of Jesus? teaching on prayer when they said Lord teach us how to pray the way that you pray and the way that John taught his disciples to pray. Teach us how to pray. One of the areas that Jesus speaks about is this area of temptation. Overcoming temptation. Overcoming the the advances that the enemy will have upon our lives and that the enemy will try to, to, to steer us down the wrong path. And he says what you need to do is in your prayer you need to understand that there is spiritual war for taking place. He says, "You pray and lead us not into temptation, but help us, Lord, to, to resist, to resist the temptation. Deliver us from evil. I think there's a lot of wisdom in this prayer. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. One is this: when we pray, we should be praying that God would give us the ability to have the wisdom to avoid temptation. This is what I'm about to tell you it is much easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. Did you guys get that? It is much easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist. The Lord Jesus in his prayer covers both. That when we pray, we should start beginning to pray and say, Lord, how can I avoid temptation? Not just have the strength to resist it illustration. I love ice cream. (laughs) Ice cream loves me. We're a thing, let me tell you. I love ice cream. I've been staying away just recently. I'm just trying to stay away from too many sweets and staying away from the ice cream. Let me tell you though, if that ice cream ends up in the freezer, I do not have the ability to resist it. I don't. So you know what I do when I'm at the store and I don't tell, my wife says, give me your list or give me what you want, or Whatever, I don't tell her get ice cream. I don't do it. Once in a while I have or I would, but I don't tell her to. You know why? Because I'm avoiding the temptation. When I go into Smith's, uh, or if I'm in Lands or Walmart, but when I walk in, I see the ice cream aisle. And by the way, it's calling my name. It knows my name, and it tries to seduce me down that aisle. Very seductive. It's like Joe, Joe, baby. I'm here. Come on over here, beautiful. And I can hear it. I hear these voices. And I'm like, no, no. And people are looking at me in the store weird, you know. (laughs) No, no. You know, I'm like little Schmeagle, you know. (laughs) Man, aren't we like that little, like, like Schmeagle? You know, aren't we like that? You know, precious. Precious, I'm coming, precious. And so I'm like, you know, I'm walking down the aisle and I'm thinking about it. And there it is, you know, come over here. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. So I avoid the aisle. I walk past the aisle. And I have to admit, there's times I don't even make eye contact. You know, it's like... And people are like, man, what's wrong with this guy? He's got some twitches or something, you know? And so I'm like, don't even look at the aisle. Because if I look at the aisle, if I go down the aisle, I'm not going to be able to resist it. And I'm going to bring it home. And here's the bad thing is usually within one evening, it's just gone, all right? It's a thing. We joke about it. It's a Klein thing. My sister's always posting all these pictures, and it's always of her and her kids, and they're always eating ice cream. The whole fan, and I'm like, and people are like, you just don't get it. It's a Klein thing. It's an addiction, let me tell you. And so I stay away from it. The idea is this, is that, that we should have wisdom to just avoid areas and temptations. If there's strongholds or areas in your life that you know is, is, is a weakness, can I say this? Pray for the wisdom to, first of all, most importantly, avoid it altogether so that you don't have to try to have the ability and the strength and obviously to say, okay, help me to resist the temptation. But then there are times in our spiritual lives Where, yes, we do need God's strength to resist it. But I do believe that Jesus in this prayer tells us that understand this, that that there's wisdom in just avoiding it altogether. Avoiding it. You may not like this, but if you struggle for years and years and years with alcohol and it controlled your life, then stay out of the bars and stay out of there and avoid it. And Does this make sense? Get out of there. If that's an area you struggle with. The Bible says things like this, that dealing with anger, don't be around an angry person. So if you're struggling with anger and then you're just around people who are hotheads and angry, guess what? That's going to rub off on you. So avoid that. Stay away from that. Avoid the temptation so that you don't have to just rely upon having the strength. But I'm thankful that God does also, through the Holy Spirit, give us the ability at times to resist temptation. Look with me in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verse, beginning in verse 36. This is where we're talking about Jesus praying in the garden. Prayer is a spiritual weapon. Notice what he says. Then Jesus went with Them to the olive grove. These are the last hours that Christ has with his disciples. It was called the the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he he became anguished and, and distressed. And he told them, My soul is crushed. With the grief to the point of death. By the way, the, the word Gethsemane literally means to, the crushing, to crush. The idea of the olives that were crushed. Jesus is being crushed under the weight of, of our sin. I believe the sin of the world is being placed upon Jesus Christ. And he's feeling this weight. And he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The idea is he's saying pray with me. Keep watch with me. Do you understand that that word keep watch is a military term? The idea is when, when someone is at a post and they're the guard, he says, Keep watch with me. What he is saying is, I am in spiritual conflict. I'm in a great spiritual battle. And when Jesus was in the great spiritual battle, what does he do? He goes to the garden to pray. It's the same place that Jesus went many times. In fact, that's how Judas knew where to find him. He says, I know exactly where Jesus will be. He's going to his prayer closet. You know where his prayer closet was? It was the Garden of Gethsemane. And I've actually been there numerous times. There's actually a cave there. And there's a cave that they believe that this is where Jesus would go to find solace. A place, a sanctuary where he would go to pray. And there Jesus most likely went to this cave to pray and to get alone. And here we see that he's in spiritual conflict in this garden. This garden of crushing, the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, watch with me. The idea is this. It's a military turn that we. I need you to to watch and to pray with me. We're in spiritual conflict. And so he went a little farther and he bowed down his face to the ground praying. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Notice he's going to pray in the spirit. Not in his own selfish desires. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That's what it means to pray in the spirit. And then he returned to his disciples. And he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch, he says. Notice this statement. Amazing. Keep watch and pray. Now he makes it about Peter. What did he say to Peter just about an hour or two before this? He says, Peter, the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. Satan is after you. And he warns Peter. What does he say to Peter? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Prayer is a mighty weapon in spiritual warfare. He says, for the spirit is willing. He says, I know your spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Our flesh is weak, he says. Then Jesus left them a second time and he prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they could not keep their eyes open. Sounds like a lot of us in church this morning. Amen. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Prayer is a powerful weapon that Jesus used over and over and over in his life in spiritual conflict. And he says to Peter, you better watch and pray or the devil's going to get you. You better watch and pray or the enemy's going he, to have the ability to overcome you and take you over. And we see that Satan did that to Peter and Peter did not have the courage and the boldness that he said he would have, even though he was warned by Christ. Prayer is a powerful weapon. He says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every circumstance. Pray. There is nothing too little to, to, to go to God with. You know, I've had so many people say things to me like this over the years. Well, that you know, I, I only pray to God and talk to God about the really big things, not about the little things, or the, the, you know, the, the simple things. No, can I tell you something? God loves you. He is a good, good father. We sang about it, amen? And he loves you. And he wants you to go to him about everything. In all things. In every circumstance. Paul says, call upon the Lord. And he will answer you, the Bible says. And then he says this, be persistent in your prayers. Be persistent. Luke 18:1 says this. And I don't have time to go through this whole teaching. There's a whole teaching here in Luke 18 on prayer. But it says this one day, Jesus told his disciples a story, a parable, to show them how they should always pray and never give up. He says, pray and never give up. He then later gives a parable story about this uh, unjust judge and how there was a widow and how the widow needed the judge to, to, to make a decision on her behalf. And the Bible says that she just continually day after day after day kept going to the judge and kept coming to him. And he was not a just judge. He was an unjust judge. But the Bible says not out of his goodness of his heart. But the the Bible says this, that because of her audacity to just keep coming and to keep begging and to keep nagging, that finally he made a judgment in her favor only because she wore him out. Jesus used that parable to say this, always pray and don't give up. We already read in Luke 11 when we see Jesus teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And it is not just a prayer that we're supposed to recite. i got to say this. The Lord's Prayer is not a prayer that we just memorize and we just recite. It was a model prayer teaching us how to pray. Because the Bible clearly tells us, Jesus said this, When you pray, do not pray with vain repetitions. Just praying the same prayer over and over again. So he warns against praying with this vain repetition. It was a model prayer. And in that teaching, he later says this, is that we should, we should pray and be persistent in our prayer. And he gives a parable. He gives a story about a friend who had a friend come to his home unexpected in the middle of the night, and he has no food for them. And so he goes to his neighbor, and he goes to his neighbor, and he says, I need food. I need food for my guests. I don't have anything. Smith's is closed. Lynn's is closed. Walmart is closed. Everything's closed and I need some bread and so he begins the Bible says he pounds on the door and he knocks and he begs and he keeps asking and he keeps asking and he keeps asking and finally the guy's like oh. and it's interesting it says because of his shameless persistence and shameless audacity he finally says okay you can have the bread take as much as you want here take it by the way that's how our kids get stuff right it works. It works. I've seen it in Walmart. Please, 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 please. You know, and they just keep going and going. and finally, like, fine, okay. By the way, that's how God is. Amen. We can, he says, I want you to keep asking and keep asking and keep knocking and keep begging, but be persistent. Maybe you say this morning, well, when I pray, God's not answering my prayers or it doesn't feel like God's answering my prayers. Let me say this. Sometimes it's because God is is answering our prayers, just not the way that we expect him to answer our prayers. That God has something better for us. Does this make sense? Kind of what we spoke about earlier. But let me give you one last, we're in one last passage, Daniel 10. Because I want you to see this is what is happening when you're praying. Daniel 10, prayer is a spiritual war. It is a spiritual battle. Look what happens in Daniel chapter 10. We'll read this in just a second. I don't have time to go into it. Daniel chapter 9, the Bible says that Daniel prays and immediately God sends the angel Gabriel. It's like the second time God sends a- angel Gabriel and he brings him a message. And by the way, the message he gives him are prophecy. Things to come. Three years later, Daniel is seeking God. And so he's praying and he's going to fast. And we come to Daniel chapter 10. Already God has answered numerous prayers. But this time Daniel prays. And notice what he says. Three years later in Daniel 10, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. So Daniel has this vision. And he understood that the vision concerned events to happen in the future. Listen to this. Times of war and great hardship. Hmm, does that sound familiar? By the way, be watching the news and paying attention because the things that Daniel prophesied and spoke about, I believe we're beginning to see the end times beginning to very much escalate very quickly. Exponentially, we're going to see the prophecies of Daniel. It's starting to happen If you're not paying attention, I'd encourage you as a follower of Christ to start paying attention. Because the prophecies of Daniel we're beginning to see. I can't say that it's fully and completely, but all the ingredients are there. I don't know if you're focusing and paying attention. I'm not saying gloom and doom. All I'm saying is understand this, that what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening in Israel, that all the ingredients are there for us to be literally ushered into the beginning of the end of days. Not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying the ingredients are there to happen. Are you with me, church? Are we listening? What's happening in Israel, Gaza, Lebanon with Hezbollah, Iran, who's behind all of it, Iran, who teams up with Russia and China and North Korea, all, listen, they're all beginning. Listen, the, the, it, is, it is happening, it's on. And if you, as a Christian, do not see this and are not paying attention, it is time for you to awaken and to wake up and say, wow, God's word is true. These things are happening. All right. That's for a whole other little sermon series. okay? But it's happening. And I hope and pray that this wakes up the church and wakes up God's people because we've been asleep for far too long. That was all free. okay? so here we go. I, Daniel, notice this. I've been mourning. He's been mourning. He's praying. You'll see this in a moment later. He says, I've been praying. He's fasting for three full weeks. How many, how many days is three full weeks? It's 21 days. Remember that. In the third year of the reign of King Cyre, he tells us again. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, when the vision came to me, I, Daniel, have been mourning three whole weeks verse 3 all that time i'd eaten no rich food so he's in a fast no meat or wine crossed my lips i used no fragrant lotions until those 3 weeks had passed on april 23rd as i was standing on the bank of the great tigris river i looked up and i saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist his body looked like a precious gem his face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches And his arms and feet shone like polished brass. And his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and they ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and I laid there with my face to the ground. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me up, still trembling to my hands and my knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, I love this, you are precious to God. Can I just say this to you this morning? You are precious to God. He says, Daniel, you're precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up. For I have been sent to you. Literally, it's the same idea, the word uh, angel, messenger. He says, I'm a messenger. I was sent to you. He said, when he said said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Listen to this. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding... And to humble yourself before your God. Your request had been heard in heaven and I have come in answer to your prayer. Did you hear what he said? From the first day that the moment you begin to pray, God heard your prayer and he sent me here with the message. But listen to what happens. This is important. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. This is demonic activity, guys. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. Then down in verse number 20, just for the sake of time, I want to finish with this. He says this, he replied... Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. The reason why I share this passage is even in the Old Testament days, and Old Testament times, men like Daniel and other people understood that there was spiritual warfare taking place. Did you get kind of the gist of what's happening here? And I want to really throw this out there. And that is this. Sometimes the reason why our prayers aren't necessarily being answered, it's not because they're not not being answered. It's that God has answered them, but yet there is spiritual warfare taking place. Daniel prayed. It says the first day he began to pray, God sent the angel. He sent the messenger to Daniel as he did in times past. But as that angel was on his way to bring the message to Daniel, to bring him the prophecy, to bring him that revelation, understand this, that there was spiritual warfare taking place and it was demonic activities and they resisted, Dan, they resisted the angel. And for 21 days he's battling until reinforcements came. And then a reinforcement Michael, the archangel, one of the archangels, came and gave him backup and freed him up so he could get the message back to this angel. And then the angel says, this is why I'm here. And this is the message. But then what does he say? I have to go back so that I can fight because there's now another demonic force that's coming. Understand this, that when you pray, spiritual warfare, and spiritual battle is taking place. And if you quit, then your prayers may never be answered. You have to pray through it. Do you hear me, church? You have to be willing to pray through it. My grandfather was not a believer. For many years, alcohol controlled his life. In his later years, he was able to overcome those things. But we prayed for my grandfather, prayed for my grandfather. My mother witnessed to her father and our family. And My father was a pastor and he would witness to him and we would talk to him and share the good news and share the gospel. And even as a teenage boy, 16, 17 years old, I remember God just put him on my heart. I was like, I want my grandfather to accept Christ. I want him to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was 16 and 17 years old, I would literally in the summer times and not at school, I would... Would walk up to his house and just sit in the living room and just sit there. He was hooked. He he smoked himself to death and drank himself to death straight up, and he was stuck to a chair, living on oxygen and couldn't leave his house. And he'd sit there, and this might be gross, but I'll never forget it. My grandfather had a big old spittoon can, and he had his lungs were filling up, congestive heart failure, and his lungs would just keep filling up. And he'd sit there, and he'd have to, you know, gross, just keep spitting it out and his lungs were filling up and couldn't hardly breathe. And, and I would pray for him. And I'd go and I'd talk to him. And I'd build a relationship with my grandfather. Yes, he was my grandfather. He's kind of quiet, kind of closed off. My mother never said she's never, ever, one time in her entire life, ever seen him cry. A hard man. And I would go fishing. And I would go up and I'd say, Grandpa, where's a good fishing hole? And he'd look down and you could see where he lived. He'd look down and he'd say, I'd fish over there. What bait do you use, Grandpa? And he'd tell me. And then I would just say things like, hey, Grandpa, I love you, and I'm praying for you, Grandpa. And then I'd leave, and then I'd come see him. Sometimes my grandmother would want to leave, so I'd go and sit with him. I know it sounds crazy for a 16-year-old high school guy to go do that, but God put him on my heart. I went off to college, and when I went off to college, my mom called and said, he's in bad shape. He may not make it through. He may not make it. I'm going to tell you this. I went with two or three of my good friends. One of my good friends, I'm going to tell you, this guy was a prayer warrior. I'll be honest. I was not that great of a prayer. prayer. This guy was one of these guys where he was just like, let's pray about it. Just, I get goosebumps talking about him. God put this guy in my life for like one semester. This dude was a prayer warrior. And he says, let's go. Let's go. We had, we had a room on our floor that we would go to, and we pray. He says, let's go. Let's go to battle. Let's go to war. Joe, let's go. I'm like, all right. And we went in there. We prayed all through the night, myself and him and different ones. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I, By the way, this is many different times that I've experienced this, but he made it through the night. And then I began to pray, God, just keep him alive. Give me one last chance to talk to my grandfather. God answered that prayer you know my mother was praying for her father for like 30, 40 years? We prayed for my grandfather. It was a long time. The Lord answered that prayer. When I went home on Christmas break, I went, went home. It was crazy because Christmas time, usually everybody, but my grandmother decided to go shopping and everybody was gone. And I went to sit and talk with my grandfather. And I sat there and I told him about that story and I told him how we prayed for him. And I finally said, you know, grandfather, I love you. And I want you to know that God loves you. And he would usually just sit there looking at the TV and he turned and he looked at me. And he said this, this is what broke my heart. He said, how could God love me with all the horrible things that I've done? How could God love me? And I had a chance to share with him God's unconditional love. And I told him how much I loved him, but how much more God loves him. And I watched the Holy Spirit literally break this man. A man my mother said she'd never seen cry, begin to sob and cry. And I said, would you like to receive the forgiveness? Would you like to have that weight? Here we we'd realize that he was carrying this weight and this guilt his entire life. He felt he was not worthy. And and by the way, none of us are. But he felt like God could never forgive me. God could never love me. you know what? That day he experienced the, the love of God and the forgiveness of God. And he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And we watched a peace come over him. And he only lived about four to six months, something like that, five, six months after that. But there was something different about him. There was a softness about him and something different. And that was the peace of God and the Holy Spirit came into him. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you, you're about to quit. You're going to give up on prayer. But can I tell you, battle through it. It's spiritual warfare. It is spiritual warfare. And understand that there's demonic activity and demons who are fighting your prayers. But you just keep praying because God will answer. Amen. Amen. God will answer. You keep praying and don't you quit. Don't quit. Keep praying. Keep it up. And understand that when you're praying, it is a spiritual battle. I need to close in prayer, but let me say this. When I get up here and preach, you may not know this. It's not about nerves. It's not about preaching. But I'm going to tell you, when I get up and preach, by the time I'm done and I get home, I am physically emotionally, spiritually exhausted. When you teach the word of God, when you preach the word of God, when you get into the word of God, have you ever noticed when you try to pray, you fall asleep? That's the enemy. Have you ever noticed that it's work? Spiritual warfare is work. Being in the word is work. Being in prayer is work. But it is is worth it, okay? So pray for me. I'm not asking for your pity. I'm asking for your prayers. But Pastor Richard, you would know this. When, you, when you're finished and you're done teaching and preaching the Word of God, I'm going to tell you something. There is just, it is spiritual warfare. There, right now, there's every demon in hell, so to speak, at war and battling because the Word of God is being spoken. Look at the parables that Jesus taught when the Word is, is being cast and the seed is being cast. What does the devil do? He sends along the birds of the air to, to eat up the seed, to keep it from, from doing what God wants it to do. But can I say this? Understand that when you're in the word of God and you're you're in the word it's spiritual warfare when you're coming to church there's spiritual warfare happening when your kids are down there your precious kids pray for those teachers and workers the devil doesn't want them to give their heart to Christ pray for them pray for your pastor pray for your teachers come on somebody say amen pray for, it's spiritual warfare spiritual battle pray for your husbands pray for your wives pray for your children but don't quit because the enemy is going to resist. The devil devil is going to fight. His demonic forces will fight. So when you're praying, understand this, sometimes the reason why your prayers in your mind aren't being answered, it's not because they're not being answered. It's because Satan is hindering them and you have to fight through it and keep battling and it will be worth it. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you have